Hey everyone, and welcome to Behind the Box. I'm your host, Sherry, and we'll be interviewing passionate people who are on top of their game, discussing all things workplace culture and diving a little deeper into thought-provoking topics we think you'll love. We truly hope it makes a positive difference to your life, business, or workplace. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, I'm so excited to share this episode with you all. It was so good sitting down and talking to Mikey. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to give you an idea of who Mikey Ellis is. I would describe him as someone who is a lifelong teacher and student. He reads a book every single week and there's some really good recommendations for books uh, in this episode too. He is someone who has a lot of wisdom to share around leadership, workplace culture, employee engagement because of his background that you will hear about. And he's got some really cool ideas that you could implement in your workplace too. So listen out for MoFo Acts of Kindness. I think it's a really um, good and easy way to implement something fun in the workplace. But I really hope you enjoy it and I'd be keen to know what you think. So let me know. Thanks so much for listening. Oh, Alice, who's Mike Ellis? <laughs> That's such an existential question. One that I ask myself every day. It's like, who am I? Who are you? Who, do, who, who am I? Who do I, th- who do I think I am? And is that true? It's actually, that's actually, <laughs> that the, real? it's actually the truth about what I, what I do most days is ask that question. Um, I, I guess. It's very philosophical. I know. I can't help it. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Uh, however, uh, I guess by way of introduction, um, I I work with an organisation called Pragmatic Thinking, and what we do is help companies build great cultures, and that's very much a focus of my work with with um, with with that team. And so, yeah, what I I guess who I am is somebody who is really passionate about creating um, a life that's that's aligned with the meaning um, that is of value to me and helping others do the same. Um, I'm, a, I'm a teacher. I've always been a teacher and, and, and a student at the same time of, of life and, and, and all that comes with it. Um, I really enjoyed drinking wine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed food and wine for the experiences that that um, sort of facilitates and, and and that is something that's really important to me as well. It's not just kind of the, 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 the philosophical stuff, but just the fact that, you know, we get to, um, we get to experience a lot of stuff that's, you know, that, that's really cool in life. And, and um, I try and make the most of that as well. Have you always been like this? Like ever since you were like, little, like really long-winded answers, and simple introductory <laughs> no. questions. <laughs> no, have you always been someone who is a student and a teacher, and someone who is always contemplating life? Yeah, it's funny. I think yeah, I think I, I think I have. I think I have. I was with my parents. Um, so I, I live in Melbourne, and and most of my family are in 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 Brisbane. And there's some in Perth, but uh, I travelled to Brisbane a fair bit for work, and and I, I always make a point of staying with my parents so I can spend some time with them. And so we we've sort of developed this this really nice little um, ritual where we'll just have dinner and we'll sit down and chat about stuff, and it's really cool getting to 
talk to your parents and relate to your parents as you get older and as they get older because the I guess the dynamic of that relationship changes heaps mm. um, and I'm really curious to find out more about them and more about our family through through their experience in a way that I just wasn't as interested in the past but so um, yeah so this most recent time I was up there we were sitting around having dinner and this was actually for Father's Day um, and my older sister um, she was she was there and Sharon was there and and we're talking about her growing up as well and she had this um, she had this boyfriend when she was I don't know in her late teens or something and I was I was only young she wouldn't have been late teens she would have been um, younger than that and I was about four or five and and mum was telling this story of how this um, this this guy came over to our house there was a party or something going on. And and I, and I was just sort of obs- obsessed with with him and his behaviour as a as a four year old kid. I think I was three or four, um, and I and I mimicked kind of everything that he did. And I ended up sort of mimicking sort of how he stood. And and at some stage after that, Mum said, "What are you? You know, like what are you doing?" And I said, yeah. "Oh, this is this is how Kim stands." And I kind of stood with my leg up against the wall and stuff. So it's just a really you know kind of. I don't know, I was like, a, what kids do, but it, it kind of made me think that from a really young age, I've always been observing what other people do. Yeah, and, their behaviours. And curious about that, and then, you know, trying that on for myself to see what works and what doesn't. I think it's an, it's an innate thing that we do as humans, but I've always been really conscious of that, of what others do yeah. as an observer of behaviour from... Yeah, from you know, from four years old, apparently. Yeah. I thought you were going to say something like you were super protective brother at that age. Like, <laughs> no, I just wanted to be like him. Like no, I just wanted to be cool. I'm sure he. I'm sure he was really cool. He's a musician, so uh, uh, maybe there's something. Cool. In, in, maybe I just thought it was it was cool. I wanted to be like him. Yeah. So. Um, did you yeah. ever end up playing any music? Uh, I did. Uh, yeah, I did end up. Um, playing the drums and learning the drums there you um, go. and then yeah sort of stri- string a few chords together on a guitar but no that was about as far as my rock star um, uh, aspirations went actually yeah. <laughs> that's good enough yeah, yeah. Um, and so speaking of when you were younger um, do you want to tell us maybe some um key lessons or perhaps like some themes in life that you've learned from that you're happy to share with us so key lessons mm. yeah I think I don't know I'm sort of become a bit reflective in my middle years um I'm I'm, I'm 43 now and I it's I think something happens or something happened to me when I turned 40 so I'd really look back and go what you know what's what really matters what truly matters and um, some of the things that have had a significant impact on me aren't the aren't the life changing um, milestones or, or, or significant events. They're the, they're the little things that have made a, made a big impact, mm-hmm. and there's a, cumul- a cumulative effect to those. But I look back, and for me, it's just for me, it's always about relationships um, and how the impact others have had on me, and and and. The impact that I have on others—they're they're the things that have, that have had the greatest impact on, on my life, and it's been key people, yeah. you know. And inevitably, it's family, or you know, or it's you know, significant relationships, significant others, partners, and so on. But there's been a couple of people that have had a, a 
impact on me, you know, it's, and it's been, that's been really powerful and it's been... In what way? Oh, it's been, oh, I guess from a personal point of view, you know, my, my nan, my grandma, she was someone who had a, has had a big impact on, on my life, not because of anything she, you know, any, any grand achievements that she, that, that she, uh, she uh, had or anything that she did that was, you know, Matt, you know, a big deal. It was just the little things. It's the fact that she yeah. cared, yeah. in a in a in a way that was meaningful to me. Um, so as a kid growing up, it's really important to have someone. For me, it was anyway. It's really important to have someone who just got me, understood yeah. me, because I, I think it's really easy to feel um, feel alone. I think we all do at some stage or other in our lives, and then to have someone who just gets you. just gets you. That's yeah really powerful yeah. really important and that's such a wonderful anchor to have throughout your life um, even when she's since passed away you know 10 years ago 12 years ago but um, still very much part of my my you know experience yeah um, and then there's been some key people throughout my you know educational career as 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 lecturers and mentors um, Donna Dyson is someone who I'm very good friends with to this day who was a mentor when I was studying education and, and remains a mentor to this day and I think that's a reciprocal relationship that we've developed now where we've become really good friends and I've got a lot of respect for how she taught teachers um, and how she values education and, is she a, and people. Is she like university or is she Yeah so no she was a uh, she was a lecturer when I was studying education, so she was one of my university lecturers. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we stayed in, in touch because I think you just, when you really, I think when you teach or when you go into education because you genu- genuinely believe that it is a vehicle for transformation and change, both on an individual level and a and a global level and that's why you want to teach yeah. then you soon find people others who are aligned with that and then those that aren't and those that are aligned become really important advocates for you and the work and you tend to stick together because it's hard to do hard to have an ideal like that that you want to you know positively impact somebody's life or the experience that um, they have gone through school and then a society on a larger scale, like that's a pretty lofty sort of ideal um, or, or, or intention to have and, and it's very easy to get disillusioned and so she became a great advocate for, for that and, and, just, and just taught through her example and reminded me that no, this is what education is for, this is what it should be for, well this is what it's for, this is, what it, this is, this is, this is how we should be teaching why did you want to become a teacher and study uh, I guess it was a combination of one I was just really or I was always curious about learning I was just an eternal student so I was always wanting to learn more and I guess by an extension there was a there was a desire to share some of that learning yeah. or share some of that con- just share ideas or perspectives and so that was just quite natural um, quite natural and that was just felt like a normal thing for me to do yeah uh, and I guess the other reason um, you know was the fact that 
I saw there being a real need for teachers who actually cared as much about the experience their student was having as they did about their subject matter. Um, and, you know, growing up, I, you know, from my own experience, growing up and going through school, both primary school and high school and university, it's like it was really disappointing to have a real passion for learning and really disengaged teachers. I'm like, this is fucked. Yeah. This is such a missed opportunity. And I think to... It's in, hard to find a really good teacher. To this yeah. day, any, every... Like, you've got yeah. teachers, and it's not just teachers, but it's... And this is where it translates into the workforce, right? You've got not just teachers, but leaders or managers who are responsible for the experience of, like, a group of people. And it was such a missed opportunity when you've got a room of, you know, let's say 25 eight-year-olds or 12-year-olds or, you know, 22-year-olds, um, and, you're, and you're just... You're just kind of throwing information in their faces as opposed to taking the time and having the I guess the, the the empathy to understand kind of where they're at first yeah. I think that's what we, we I think the focus in education is on transferring and it has been anyway I know it's changing there's some great schools doing different things but mm-hmm. when I was at school it was about transferring information from one person to another yeah um, and there was no it was like that for me as well there was no there was no focus on on teaching people how to learn yeah so we we learnt info we learnt content but we didn't learn how we learn we didn't learn about ourselves and what our how our brain how my brain works which is very different to yours which is very different to someone else's and so in in not doing that we missed out on understanding some really key um some really important stuff about ourselves that I think we try and find out later on in life but imagine I just think if only we learned that, you that when, you were when, we're, when we're a kid yeah. oh man it'd be so much easier it wouldn't yeah. be easier but we'd just, be certainly better equipped yeah just simple things like um, I don't know like you know how some people learn better when they're listening to something or learn better when it's they've got lots of visual cues or mm. by doing even something as simple as knowing that from when you start school would make a significant difference in how you absorb information. Yeah, totally. And it's what yeah, we learn as well, agree. right? There's a government-mandated curriculum that teachers have to teach. And it's like, it's so archaic. The rel- like, it's in, in irrelevant, the majority of that content. Yes. And it's like the, the rate at which that's becoming obsolete is exponential in, like, recent, in the last 10 years with access to information that we have now. Yeah. Information it, it is not the, the currency that, that once was, that it doesn't have the same value that it once was, that, that it used to. Yeah. Because now it's available. Yeah. But what isn't, yeah. what, what we do, what isn't as readily available, but what we do need now is the ability to understand it and do something with it. And that's what we're not taught um, at school. Mm, I think I even read somewhere that if you go to university now and you actually come out with a degree, it's only relevant for two and a half years before it becomes irrelevant again. So, and I know you love books. So, what are some what are some books that you would recommend or yeah, a must reads, must reads in a lifetime? <clears throat> that's a big uh, question, that's a great isn't question. it? Because you do read a lot. 
Yeah, I, I, I must must reads in a lifetime. Mm. Um, I think there's a couple. Well, I know that there's there's a few that come to mind. They're all of the same. They're all very much of the same. Um, in in, in the same focus, and that's on the f- kind of fundamental truth uh, of the human experience. Which has been like when it, when you kind of when I just sort of distill what it is that I want to know, that's sort of where it ends up. And there are a few books that explain that really well. Um, one is The Power of Now um, by Eckhart Tolle. That is a book that I first read 20 years ago and didn't quite get into it. I don't think I finished it because I couldn't quite relate. But I keep coming back to it, and I most recently read it again. Um, I've got another chapter left. I'm listening to it as an audio book now. But I've read that a number of times since. And always, always is the perfect reset and recalibration to what is, I think, to be fundamentally true about our experience as human beings. It's just such a great perspective. In terms of perspectives and paradigms, it kind of distills it all to something really profound and simple and true. So that's a must-read. Uh, there's another book called um, The Untethered Soul um, by Michael Singer uh, and he talks about uh, the disillusion or the the disidentification of um, uh, from ego that's necessary for us to 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 define you know true purpose and true peace that's a really great book as well is it's, that a recent read or is that uh, something you found no that was a couple of, that was pretty recent actually it was a few years ago when I first read that um, and I've since gone on to you know study some of his teachings he's got some some old school kind of videos up on his website which are which are kind of cool yeah. um, but that's I don't know I've, there's there's some things I just read that I just that just feel true and undeniable yeah. and those two books are, are great examples of that. Um, the Alchemist is a really great oh, book to love, read. You know, I it's I just, haven't read the other two, but I love that. Yeah, it's, I, I, yeah. again, it's one I keep coming back yeah, to every sure. sort of few years and will re-read. re-read. Um, it's just beautifully written. And The Pilgrimage, another book by um, Paolo Coelho, is another great book. He writes beautifully. Um, you know, anything by Rumi, um, you know, in terms of just distilling incredibly profound truths in short, you know, oh. Short sentences yeah. is is um, is is beautiful, um, yeah. And then you know, there's another book that I read recently, which I recommended to you, which yeah. is the Power of Moments. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great by book. By Chip and Chip Conley. Chip Conley and Dan Heath. No, Chip Chip Conley is one of the authors anyway. Um, just I a, think that's right. I think it is Dan Heath, but yeah. Yeah. So just a um, yeah, great um, reminder of what kind of matters in business uh, and in transactions that we have in the work that we do it's the moments yeah. and we can engineer those yeah. speaking of which I've, I'm, I'm, I've got another couple I'm going to add to this yeah. very um, uh, long they need list. to go on your Instagram so yeah I, 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 I do put them up there um, the uh, Priya Parker The Art of Gathering there's a recent book it's only a few two or three years old she wrote a book called uh, Priya Parker wrote a book called The Art of Gathering yeah. and it's just a great book for anyone who organises events whether they okay. be conferences meetings dinner parties parties yeah, games, which we all do events which yeah. we all do yeah. um, I've always really enjoyed hosting yes. facilitating creating those experiences yeah. what she's done is 
codifying that and said, well, this is what makes a great experience. Like, fuck yeah, that's true. Yeah. You get, like, you kind of know this, but, you know, she's turned it into a, um, into a process for people to, yeah. to access and apply. Is it about, like, heightening all the senses? Is that part of it? That's part of it. Yeah. But one of the key things which I, you know, apply to work... Um, and have done, but now it's just nice to sort of reference it. When you've got someone who's explained it so so well, um, it, it really helps to defer to that yeah, for, for, some, for yeah. some authority. Yeah. But um, I guess the, one of the, the first things she talks about is having a really clear intention for the event yeah. and for that to be non-negotiable and for it to be specific and also disputable. Or, 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 you know, debatable. Mm. In other words, it shouldn't be everything for everyone. Otherwise, it ends up being a really bland, yeah. boring, vanilla, average experience. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So when you're coming up with that, is it is it um, the intent? Is it talking about um, how do you want people to feel? What do you want them to think when they leave? What's the key message? Is that is that what you mean? Yep, and it could be... Yeah. It's And it's it's one of those... Yeah. It's not all of them. It's not all of them. Yeah. Okay, okay. So do you want people to feel something? Yeah. What do you want them to feel? And 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 it's and it's only about that. And so okay. everything should be designed aligned to that to as that. an outcome. Okay. You know, for example, oh, we organize. It's so simple, doesn't it? It does, yeah. but it's it's hard to do, right? Because mm-hmm. we all, you know, we organize a lot of conferences, yeah. and you know, most of the, you know, most, uh, you know, a lot of times a brief will be, oh, we want this to be about connection. Okay, what does connection mean? What does connection look like? And what type of connection? Not only how do you want people to connect, but how do you want them to feel as a result of that connection? Mm-hmm. So when we distill it to something really specific, yeah, that that, and start with that, then it becomes really easy to identify what should and shouldn't be a part of your agenda. But the problem is, people typically will go, oh no, we want it to be about, we want it, okay, let's look at, let's say, um, uh, vulnerability is a fundamental um, sort of, uh, you know, antecedent to connection. Yeah. In order to connect, we need to be vulnerable. So let's, yeah, that's what we need. We need our team to be a bit more vulnerable. So yeah. let's make that the purpose. Great. So these are the things that we need to do in order for that to happen. Yeah. Oh, no, but we can't do that. Oh, no, but we need this to happen. Yeah. Oh, no, but that's not going to work. So that's where <laughs> yeah. it gets really... That's where it kind of becomes a challenge. Yes. And then you end up compromising on your on, on your intention yeah. to make it something that's going to please everybody. And people turn up, have a pretty average experience, just like they've always done before, just like they were expecting, walk away going, well, that was a nice day yeah. at the office. Yeah. Ate some nice morning tea, had some scones, um, <laughs> did a bit of <laughs> reflecting at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, it's got more work to do than I'd, you know... Uh, when I get back to the office and I, and I left with so yeah. you know it ends up being a, a missed opportunity because I think it ta- I think you need to be really really courageous brave and make a stand for what it is that you want to experience yeah. because if it was a, if, a, if, you, if it were easy then everyone would be doing everyone it, can do it but it's yeah. not but it relates to those moments that um, that matter that are meaningful that are memorable they're the ones that are you know, out, that, that are in some way out of the ordinary or unexpected. And you've got to have, you've got to, you know, they, they just don't happen by chance. Sometimes they do, mm. but we can facilitate those. Mm. And when we do, then it, that's really 
interesting. Mm. Would you mind sharing that story you told me about how at Vino Mofo you created, or you didn't create, but you, well, you did actually, that event um, where everyone came in with their bottle of wine and told their story and how that was yeah special. yeah did you yeah. have these frameworks already in mind no. or is that something you, no, this was, you this is, created this is before that book was written but it's kind of <laughs> what again it's you know this is what we you know it's kind of something that i've done for a long time and mm. and it's great that i, I kind of love connecting with other people you know like like you know priya parker and, and her work that um explain why this and you know um, the Power of Moments is another great book that sort of explains yeah. how this works. So, you know, this was, um, when was this? 2015? Um, 2015. Um, so, Vino Mofo um, was a company that I worked with um, for four years as head of people and culture. Uh, and at the time when I started, there was, there was a, um, there was a, there was a company mission. There were company values. Um, and that was, you know, there was a really, really great culture there. As the company grew, uh, it was, it became really apparent and necessary that we, um, in some way, sort of codify what this culture is and create a strategy to support the culture um, as a group, as we grew as a company, so that it didn't become diluted yeah. and we'd stayed really true to the essence of what it is that we wanted to achieve you know through the purpose and and through the values but we needed to explain what that was and we needed to not only just you know it was communicated well at the time everybody sort of knew what it was in one way or another but the but there was a missing piece and that was having everyone in the organization connected to something personal um connecting through something personal to that company mission there was there was a company mission it was really clear what that was and company purpose it's really clear what that was um but there was a missed opportunity for for people to find what that meant for them and to make that connection so what we decided to do was have a, a mission launch so which was about well this is let's be really clear on what the mission for the company is and let's let's launch that let's let's share that with with the team um who are the most important people to share it with. It's not your customers yeah. first. It's not, you know, the public or it's not some sort of press release that you would share it with uh, through. It's to the people that are your culture, yeah. your, your, your team. So we had this mission launch and what we did was we, um, you know, decided to help bridge that um, connection, yeah. create a bridge for that connection. and. I asked um, the founders, Justin and Andre, like, why? Why is this so important to you? Why have you created this company? What, what's the meaning? What's the, you know, what's your why? And, for, and they both had different stories. They were very personal. Um, Justin's was about, you know, him saving up, you know, some money that he had for his 18th birthday and rather than um, spend it on a, you know, couple of kegs of beer and a big yeah. party, he... He, he, he bought a bottle of um, Grange for his birthday, mm -hmm. 1977 Grange, and for an 18 year old, like that's, yeah. you know, that's just, you know, for him that was really important. Yeah. Um, that sort of, that's something, you know, love of wine that's kind of lived on since. 
to Andre. Um, it was tasting a, um, a, a port at, out at Sepultsfield, um, you know, this, this 100 year old port out of barrels that dated back to the, um, to the early 1900s. Wow. And there were consecutive vintages of port over, you know, over 100 years old. So you can, you can taste this, this, this thing that was made at a time when the world was a completely different yeah. place. And it's, it's a lot, you know, it's still, it's still there. You know, it's, a, it's... it's an artifact at that time. It's a living artifact. And you don't have many of those that you can drink, And it's right? so nice to think of it in that way as well, totally. to experience wine like that. So for him, yeah. it was a connection to something far greater than the, what's in your glass, right? Yeah. And these are really profound, powerful stories that have, you know, had a huge impact on, on both their lives that, you know, in one way or another resulted in them creating this company that sells wine and helps people to connect with wine through similar stories. So that was their story. Rather than, tell, rather than them just get up and tell that to the team, what we wanted to do was that and have everybody who works in the organisation to come along and share a story of their own, of connection to wine, through wine. And so we asked everybody to bring along a bottle that meant something to them. Um, and whatever, however they define that was completely up to them. We gave them a little neck tag, they wrote, wrote, this, wrote the name and put an intro to the story on the bottle. And then throughout the night, we just shared those stories with each other. In really informally, it wasn't like yeah. you know, kind of everyone gets up and takes a turn. But that's kind a, of what I had in my head. No, it was a table. <laughs> like, yeah. It was a table full of because it wasn't about the founders yeah. telling their story, although they did that, and it was a great way. I mean, we all tasted this incredible. So we got a bottle of the seventy-seven Grange, and we got wow. some of that hundred-year-old port. Yeah, wow. So we bought that and we shared that. Literally, it was like a kind of religious experience, like oh, literally yeah. breaking bread and drinking the <laughs> yes. body of Christ. It was like it was kind of like it's almost um, sort of religious in that in that ritual, which is what it is, right? Mm. Beautiful ritual. To I mean, that's why wine is so much more than just a drink. But um, so we tasted both those wines, and it was something that we were able to you know share, share and physically, literally connect with. Yeah, and you know, uh, I guess. Um, sort of metaphorically as a vision as a purpose it was easier to translate and you know, it was such a beautiful connection um, and then everybody else did that with their their wines we had a table and we rocked up and I'd be like oh cool Sherry this is your yeah. one tell me like you'd be That's like oh awesome. this is my first taste of the year and everyone had their yes. story right yeah. and it was cool because it wasn't about the wine it was about you yeah, yeah. and it was about me and it, wine was the talking point wine was the, the I guess the conduit for those those connections but it wasn't about the wine it was about me and my story yes. and you and yours and we all and that so when it comes to culture yeah. a company's culture is is create is made up as a you know a combination of all of these people's stories but so long as there's a common focus mm-hmm. um, and in this case at Vino it was wine and story it was wine and stories and connection mm. And, and uh, yeah, you've obviously shared your love of wine and good food and just the experiences that creates. Do you mind sharing your story, your wine story? My wine story? Yeah. Oh, uh, that I had? Yes, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, look, it was my wine. I don't have a wine story. I've got lots of different wines. I've got lots <laughs> of wine stories. Your most profound wine story. Uh, or what, may, what makes you really... <laughs> I, 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 again, I... It's not, it might sound like a bit of a cop out, but I've got a lot of sort of stories. I, I don't know. I, I, for me, 
Uh, I guess if it, if it were one story, it's a, it's, a, it's a general, I guess a broad sort of story. And that's, and it's how I came to learn about wine and it was through, it was through my dad, right? So when I was 20, in my 20s working in hospitality and studying and so on, I, you know, I was working in bars and so on and had an interest in wine because I enjoyed it and I liked it. And people, people seemed to really get into it, into it in a way that you didn't, beer. Yeah. And people, you know, would have they'd covet these certain bottles or vintages or or, or, or varieties, and I'm like, like why? And I wanted to learn why. And the more wine I tasted and drank, the more I kind of began to understand why, why people are obsessed about it. Because yeah. it's like everything's everyone's different. It's yeah. like music, right? Yeah. You might have a different taste. There's yep. so much to discover, and there's styles that are similar, but they're all different and even when the same like a, like a you know singer sings your favorite song live it sounds different yeah and so like your favorite you know vintage or um variety from a vintage is different to the next vintage so it's constantly evolving it's just fascinating how how um how uh complex it is you know it is um and it's living so i, was, I like that yeah. anyway so I, I wanted to learn more and i didn't want to go and study a course because it was too intellectual for me yeah as much as i love the intellectual side of things for me it was one well, was much more about the experience the relationships and mm, relationships. the social side of things mm. the food and so on mm. so anyway spoke to my dad who knew a bit about wine and said um hey can you teach me about wine and he's like yeah sure so what we ended up doing was going out to a restaurant on a monthly basis um, uh, I'd organise a BYA restaurant, he'd bring along a bottle of wine, and we'd just eat a meal, drink this wine, chat about it, he'd teach me some stuff, and we'd, I'd learn some stuff about the wine, and you know, that sort of was the intention. And we did that for, for quite a while, and we, we still do that to this day. It's I love really that cool. So much, yeah. but, in, in, but what it became was less about the wine and more about the connection, the relationship that we. we um, forged over that over that experience, and it was about getting to know each other differently. You know, in a way that we didn't. You know, just him and I, as opposed to around the family table or in a family context, or with you know, in a work, in 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 a prescribed context where you have these certain roles as as father and son, or mother and daughter, or brother sister. Um, this was just about us as two men having conversation over a bottle of wine, and it. And for me, that kind of epitomised what I love about wine. It's just the the relationships that it facilitates. Yeah. You know, it's such a great, um, it's such a great talking point. Mm-hmm. You know, it kind of then be, it starts out, out as being a talking point, but soon the focus shifts onto the people who are having the conversation. Yeah. And and I don't know. That's for me. Connections are huge huge value and that and, and that was why I became a, a way to develop yeah. that I love relationship. that I think that's it's such a nice way to bring two people together especially having that dynamic with your parents which obviously changes over time like you said mm. it's a really good way to get to know the person on just a more peer-to-peer rather than okay you're my dad yeah um, type of relationship it's a really nice way to connect yeah yeah it is I think people need a need some kind of icebreaker when it comes to having connect having connection and, and that could be it could be sport right you could be sitting next to each other watching a game of sport or it could be cooking it could be yeah. stand, you know in the kitchen you know doing something but having that 
having that sort of a, it's like kind of a third point of reference to just focus on that's not either you or I mm. then it, it becomes I don't know it's kind of it makes it easier to just to open up oh, I so agree so I started doing cooking with my mum mm. and I've always had we've never actually had anything external to the context of just hanging out with family mm. so being able to learn from her which she obviously loves because she's a really good cook and she loves teaching me and like going through all the specifics and I'm like they're taking photos of her and like writing everything down just even sharing something like that yeah. with someone it just makes such a big difference to the relationship so it does. Um, yeah thank you for sharing that it's a really special story yeah I love it yeah pleasure and, yeah. and likewise for you sharing that and there's a com- there's a common element in that and it's and it's about it's it, it's that it's finding something that's meaningful to someone else and helping helping um or you know just bringing that out and i think you know there's there's so much experience and wisdom that we can learn from from others particularly people who have lived some life and had some experience yeah. our, our, our elders whether they be family excuse me or um or or you know just elders people who have kind of lived some life yeah, I was talking to yeah. talking to someone about this um a couple of days ago about how elderly people become really invisible become invisible really quickly in our society and it's such a shame because we need the wisdom of experience we all do um, and not just young people but we all do we need that and it's lost because there's no substitute for experience when it comes to understanding mm-hmm. and so um, yeah that was you know in your case like you know you're bringing something out your, your mum gets a chance to share something she loves mm-hmm. you know in a way that possibly and there's, I think there's a humility in an older generation like oh nobody's really going to be that interested in what I do it's just what I've always done you know I don't think anybody's really going to there's a real yeah. kind of there's a real humility which is like oh I, I, you know I don't yeah. think that's anyone's going to like really no one's care. going to care no, yeah but like that's when so you start true. and you know this was something I did with my nan like I sat down and asked her some questions I set up a camera and and recorded some some I recorded an interview with her because like, I, mean, I, you I really want to know I want to keep it forever, yeah. and I'm glad I did because when we when we recorded that interview, um, it was only that that was the that was the last time I saw her. Oh my god! It was only a few months later um, that she was that she she was um, she was killed in, a, in an accident. She was in a in a in a car accident, and um, that was the that in terms of right. kind of pivotal moments of ma- of making sure that you. Ask the questions of the people that you care about, the right questions. Never miss that opportunity to do so. Yeah, that's that for me is a constant reminder. Yeah. You know, and and there's so much experience and so much wisdom, and so many incredible stories that live that live in, inside people. Mm. Um, and what a what a shame if they don't get to be shared. Mm. And I think something that you said before resonated with me, which was when you're when you're younger. Um, maybe some of the books that you read they they didn't resonate with you or maybe when you were younger you wouldn't have understood how special all of these connections are and how important relationships are in your life right and you said that you got to a point around the age of 40 where you were were reflecting on all of that but 
what advice would you give to someone who is not near that age? How would you get them to kind of step back and reflect earlier rather than wait? I don't know if you um, necessarily need to. I think you will when you when need to. to. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, like not don't for, don't try to force. No, it. Yeah. and if you, oh, I think it's about doing what. Um, uh, doing what you need to do um, and just kind of honouring that. Mm. Uh, I think there's a real, there's a real, um, there's real energy and momentum around, you know, you see this a lot in entrepreneurship now and I've, I'm, I've never really been that entrepreneur who goes out and creates something. It's not really been something I've, I'm interested in doing. Um, but I, but I've, I know people who are, and I work with. I work with people who are, you know. My sister's one of those people, um, and and we need them, right? And if you stop and think too much about what you're doing, you you kind of miss the opportunity. So I think there are, there's a time for just going for it and not thinking too much about you know why, and just just having a crack, you know, launching into it. And and if you're compelled by that momentum and if you're really driven to do that then do it mm. um i've always been sort of pretty self-reflective so that's not really been my drive but um i don't know i, I think i think there comes a, but there always comes a point where if something's not working um then it's then there's a, then there's a, that's a time to stop and go well why not and it's probably got everything well the what I believe to be true is that it's nothing to do with what's going on around you. It's got everything to do with what's going on inside you. And so I think there does come a point where you need to understand yourself in order to understand, you know, what's going on around you better. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where it might become a bit more of a introspective, um, ex- you know, opportunity. Um, and yeah, I think typically that happens, you know, later in life. I'm spe- speaking like I'm an old. No, guy. yeah, I know you're not. It's just not. I'm just certainly not thinking stuff like you're that. Like later in life. <laughs> later in life, yeah, when you get old and grey like me. Uh, um, but I don't know. I've always yeah. It's the experience speaking. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah. There is definitely some experience there. But you know, at the same time, it's got to be both, right? Yeah. You've got to have that. Just I don't. I just want to fucking go for it. Yeah. You know, and and, and that drive is so and that. So, you know, sometimes it's really... There's a point where you can know too much. And it becomes... And it becomes... A, too much about yourself? Well, not... No, what do you mean? It's not, not, no, it's probably, it's probably not the right, right way to put it. It's not knowing too much. It's thinking you need to know more. Okay. Mm. That can then become a real crutch that you lean on. Go, well, I'm not going to... I'm not going to do this because I need to find out more information or I'm not entirely sure yet or I'm not certain about whether this is going to work or that's the right thing. I'll just gather more information and you and like the point, like the, the truth is sometimes the clarity comes from having taken action. When you're 49% certain or, t- or you yeah. know, 39 or, or not certain at all yeah. but you need to find out. Like I think trying to gather all your ducks in the row and too much you know information that ideally you're hoping would lead to certainty to avoid any any um any risk that's kind of futile and that can become a bit um a bit an easy place to kind of hide Mm. so sometimes go fuck i don't know i'm gonna give it a crack 
and see what happens. Yeah. With, with good intentions, um, with you know, with you know, informed enough, uh, and knowing that you're not going to be, um, it's not going to be destructive to yourself or anyone else. Yeah. Then, yeah, sometimes it's going to happen. Mm. And I don't know if you felt like this, but when I'm doing things that are risky. I used to do a lot of planning and making sure nothing will go wrong. And then I kind of realized the more I did that, the more I pushed things out and then reflecting and thinking about why I was planning so much is because I was really scared. Mm -hmm. Like I was scared I was going to look silly. I was scared of judgment. But I think as soon as you just do that thing that you inside you, you feel like it's important to you. Once you do it, it doesn't really matter what people think. It's your, you're putting your good intention out there and that's, that's what matters. That's what's important. Yeah. And you learn from action. Well, I think we've got... Well, we know enough now. Like, there is enough great and really contemporary f- leaders, like Brene Brown, for mm. example, who, who, are teaching, who are teaching us collectively what it, mean, what, what it means to truly be courageous, what vulnerability looks like, and what's going to happen when you... When you be vulnerable. When you be vulnerable or be courageous. And so we can't, we know, we know we that know. there's, we know there's going to be uncertainty. So you can't say, well, I'm not certain yeah. that of the outcome. That's not an excuse anymore. Yeah. You know that there's going to be risk. So it's like, well, yeah, it might fail. No shit. Mm-hmm. That's part of the price of it. Like, that's the price you pay, right? And we also know that, you know, there's going to be some emotional exposure. People might not like what you do or might think you're full of shit, yeah. might, you know, disagree or, 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 you know, cut you down. We know that. So, in the, so in the past, I think there's, uh, there's a, for me at least, there's been, a, there's been a lot of resistance to doing things that require courage or vulnerability because of, the, because of those things. Yes. Oh, no, but there's... But we know that that's, a, that's an inevitable... That's their inevitable. So... There's no excuse now, yeah. you know, to do it. And yeah. so we, that's, that kind of awareness is, is, I think, really important before you do anything so that you don't use the, the haters or you don't use the failure or you don't use the uncertainty or you don't use the, I don't know how this is going to end as an excuse for not doing a thing that you feel like you really need to do. Mm-hmm. And this is the perfect segue into the next two questions, uh, which one is, what do you think is your biggest weakness and how have you gone about overcoming that? And then the second one is, what are you really proud of? Uh, Biggest weakness? Uh, This is like in life and in business, it doesn't have to be in all. Yeah, I think fundamentally, I think kind of what sits at the, you know, there's a few things that I certainly don't do as well as I'd like to um, but I think the, the root of all of those things is um, uh, a lack of trust in what it is that I know mm. so and Belief that's in yourself yeah it, it's it's trusting that trusting that kind of feeling or that kind of niggle that you mentioned that is the kind of what will drive you to do something and and do and face the um, inevitable you know unknowns um and and failures etc but yeah just just trust in because i my default often is to go well well that's what i feel i'm just going to sense check that with as much information as i can gather to make sure that it's true yeah 
mm, that's not that's there's a time and a place for doing that but not all the time how do you help yourself trust yourself more the the best way the best way that I've found to do that there's two ways mm -hmm. there's one there's one way which I've become really good at and there's another way which I'm working on yeah yeah the way I've become really good at um, mitigating that or to kind of addressing that um, that that weakness is to is to learn as much about myself and how I work as, as I can so that I can catch myself when I'm doing something that's not aligned with how I want to work or be so it's that self like that self-awareness yeah. to understand why I do the things I do in the way in which I do them mm. and it has been really helpful mm. so that it's so so that I'm aware of why at least yeah that's what's worked up until now yeah that needs to be complemented now with what I'm f focusing on doing more of which is just fucking doing it and <laughs> seeing what happens yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and trusting in the process. Because it's, you know, you get to a point where you have all, enough awareness, enough understanding, and then you just got to fucking take the step, take the leap, have, you know. Just have a crack. Have a crack. And, yeah. and, and that's, that's, yeah, that's the, that's the next kind of stage, I think. Yeah. That's the hardest part. It's, I a, think. it's always the hardest part. Yeah. Everyone. But I, but I kind of think, well, that's, that's what we're here to do. Yeah. Like what you know, like in 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 grow in growing and evolving and being and growing as a human, we've got to do. It's inevitable that things are going to be uncomfortable. Like anything that grow, anything, any growth is inevitably uncomfortable because you're sure. changing, sure. and you're letting go of yeah. You know, you're redefining or you're challenging or you're reconditioning what you know what was, um, and that's. The very definition of growth it is uncomfortable. Yeah. So it's being being not necessarily comfortable with the uncomfortability, but just being aware that that's part of the process and not letting it stop stop you stop yeah. me from growing. And what about something that you're really proud of? Uh, in terms of it's in terms of. Um, I look up. I wouldn't say there's any one thing um, that I would say I'm particularly proud of. Um, I mean, there's things I am proud of, but there are many heaps of things. Yeah, I think my. I, the, there's honest, so many I can think of. To be honest, I think my um, the the relationships I have, yeah. the relationships I have in my life, are the something oh, I'm proud of. Yeah. So I'm proud of the relationship I have with my. With my family and each one of those people in that family, in you know, in my immediate and extended family, I'm proud of the relationship I have with my with my friends um, and the people I work with, and you know, and everyone that I relate to. You know, that's something that I that's that's my work. That's what I work on. That's what I care about, and that's what I focus on. So, you know, I think generally I'm proud of those relationships. Um, I yeah, it. I love it. That's that's, that's a great response. Mm. Um, I mean, given that that is what you have nurtured so much, especially of late, and how you've built and built on relationships, it's really nice to be proud of that. Mm. And I actually think 
not with everyone, but sometimes it can be rare to have that kind of relationship with your family, even though they're your family. Mm. Um, so that's really nice. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, it's something like anything. You got to work at it. You got to work at it. Yeah. Yeah. Got to work at it. Um, but you know, I'm fortunate. I've got people I care about who care about me, um, and you know, and I've got friends who you know are struggling with in in their relationships and with their family and you know I don't ever take that for granted because it's you know fuck at the end of the day it doesn't matter what we do it matters kind of you know how how we do it and who we do it with I agree I don't know it's that to me is kind of what it all boils down to is the quality of relationships I have because work can be great and then it can then it then it can't downs yeah um, and relationships can be great and then they're not too but I don't know there's one thing that's constant that's the fact that we're all in, in this together mm. and we're all relating to each other one way or another at least for me I just want to make those those relationships as um, yeah as rewarding for me and for someone else as possible mm. and so speaking about some of the work that you do um, behaviour mm-hmm. analysing behaviour helping change behaviour uh, in today's day and age, what is good leadership to you? And what type of leadership do you think is needed in a world where change is the constant and the way we work is different and there's all these different generations that are working together now as well with different views and um, different preferences in terms of the way they work and how they like to um have relationships in the workplace as well and how they manage their work and life um, maybe differently from one generation to another yeah I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things that make a good leader one is you know capability reliability trustworthiness um, you know some sort of expertise in, in what in what they do mm. um, consistency oh, yes. is really important um, so that I think then they're non-negotiables. They're the, they're, they're the given. That's what you yeah. need. That's, that, that's the price of entry to be a leader. Um, but then I think what we need now, and we always have, but there hasn't always been a focus on it in leadership, I think the focus on leadership development and training has been on the, on the skills on the on not the hard skills, but the skills that um, you know are necessary to to, to, to lead a process or a or, or a team. Um, but the thing that's missing is what's what has always been true and what always will be true is that when you lead, you're leading people, you're leading other human beings, and it doesn't matter what the what the context is, what what the what the process is, what the industry is, how big or small your team, your team is made up of people. People. And people people will lead people will follow you either because they have to, um, because there's some sort of, they're contractually obliged in one for one in one way or another, um, to do what you say. Um, and by default you're a leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are leaders who people follow because they're worth following and I find that the people who are leaders who are worth following um, and have earned that followership 
um, and the trust of the people who are following them are the ones who actually bring others along with them. And they do that by finding something that's meaningful and of value or relevant in their followers or in that other person to help connect them to what it is that they're trying to lead them towards. And the the fundamental basis of all of this is caring about, understanding and caring about what somebody else, your followers or your team needs. And so it's self-awareness and it's empathy. And it's 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 kind of that's what it boils down to, because you can be a great you can you can have all the you can tick all the other boxes and have the exceptionally talented, experience at at at, at what you do. But if but if there's this there's this discretionary effort that comes when a leader um, knows you understands you helps you to get to where either you want to go and ideally that's aligned to where. You're going as a team, but the only way to do that is to care about the people that are in your yeah. in your team. And care about, and when you break it down, it's not caring about your team; it's caring about the individual John person, or Susan, yeah. or Sarah. Yeah, it's caring about David, yeah, and where he's at today. To know what it takes, and this is the skill. This is when the skill kick in. To know what it takes to get him from where he is to where he needs to be, yeah. in order for us to do this thing together. Yeah, right. That's but that, they're, they're the tweaks, and that's understanding people through yeah. through self awareness of, of yourself and empathy to know what it is that you know that somebody else is going is experiencing uh, and needs to, and what it is that they need in that given moment. And um, I think that that's the kind of that's the kind of leadership skills we need. Okay. So I completely agree with those traits of being self-awareness and empathising and knowing someone on an individual level rather than just thinking at a team level. What advice do you give to people who have a team of over 100 people where then they have their own teams but they're not necessarily connected to the people on the ground doing the work? Um, I think there's... I think you can... We need to set up... Uh, process or a system that supports I think it, it shouldn't be an excuse that just because you've got a big team or a large organisation that you don't care about the things that matter to the people in, you, in your organisation we just need to find a way to make that happen at scale and it's, and it's actually really easy to, easy to do that, technology makes that simple for us um, you know, there's. Uh, What's something that you've seen that's worked really well? Ah, um, uh, something that I've seen that works really well um, is when I, you know, when when I was at um, when I was at Vino, what we used to do was I used, you know, um, you know, our our lead, leaders of teams and and um, and both Just and Andre were busy, right? They had lots of things going on, mm-hmm. and I was I was on the. I was on the on the ground on the floor, and I had a lot more connection, uh, and I spent a lot more time with you know with with people in the team. So I was privy to a lot more of what was going on, right? Yeah. So I was able to I was able to have that kind of um, uh, you know awareness in a way that they were because they just they were focusing on, on on different things, bigger things, right? Um, which were necessary for them to you know to continue leading the company in the way in which they needed to, right? So what I did was I just provided a summary to each, each, each one of them, and I told them what they needed to hear about key people and what those key people needed to hear from them, right? And so, 
each week I'd send a send a summary. So some so needs this. This person going like going through that. You know, with full um, respect to confidentiality and so on. But because it, it actually wasn't about the detail of what's going on. It's just it was just that I know that. Um, this person's going to benefit from you spending five minutes yeah. helping or talking to them about this thing, whether yeah. it's work, personal, it doesn't really matter, but it's just knowing what to say when and who to say it to. Mm. So at scale... That's actually a really good way to do it. It's just yeah. bloody simple. I know, it's so simple. Right? Now, a lot of great leaders or great CEOs are really good, are good at leading organisations yeah. as an organisation, but not necessarily either don't have the time or they not they don't particularly care about the minutia of the detail of them what's going on for the people yeah. in the teams that's fine they're not they don't that, that's they don't need to that's what makes them great visionary entrepreneurs you know bold leaders who are going to make big decisions that are going to help the company move forward like that's really important yeah. that's a unique skill so it doesn't mean to say that they have to know everything that's going on in everyone's lives but, but if they don't, somebody somebody does, yeah. right? And there should be somebody within the organisation whose responsibility it is just to keep, just to make sure everyone's okay, right? And in one in, in one way or another, they need to report that up to to key influential leaders who can have impact or make decisions that will translate to a better experience and sometimes it's just a conversation so if you're the lead, if you're a leader in an organization that's you don't stand time to talk to everyone find somebody who does or find somebody who's already doing that because yeah. there is that person in your organization who knows ex- everything that's going on and speak to them and say how can I help yeah and they'll say oh if you just went and spoke to Mark about the the bottling line and the process, like this issue with the bloody machine that's yeah. causing all these dramas for him and his team and has been for the last six months and just go and have a talk to him, he'll be like, oh, it it, the problem so might better. be solved or at least you kind of, you know that you're, something you've been working really hard and it's being heard by somebody who's, you know, has, uh, you know, ability to kind of help. So if you don't know everything that's going on in your company, somebody does, find out who that is Work with them so that you can kind of meet as many of those um, needs as, as possible. So that's one way of doing it. Another way is scaling it at you know through technology, and people care about people care about people, mm-hmm. not process. Process is necessary, not structure systems. Again, they're necessary, but they actually care about people. So if you're the CEO or a leader of a you know big organisation, to record a video of yourself. And just hey, like you know, I don't know. Every Monday, every Thursday, doesn't matter. Quick video saying, listen, um, I know there's some really challenging things happening in the organisation. It's time. Just want to know. Just want to say thank you to everyone. Um, quick shout out to blah blah, Susan, John, Tony for these things. You guys are killing it. Thirty seconds. I'm going to keep it to a minute. Keep it short and sweet. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I'm doing this. This is what's happening. Yeah. We, we, we're, like, we're all in this together. Um, have an awesome What day. a great idea. It's a, it's a video that takes like 30 seconds on yeah. your phone. Email it to the team. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it, it, it says two things. One, um, that it, well, it, it has, it, it, it's an update, right? Mm-hmm. It's not really about the people that shouted out or the updates about what's going on. There is a value in that. But, this, but the thing that's most important is that people see that this person's taking time to do this for them because we 
because to, he know, cares. Because we know that that's you know that's the only time he's got. Yeah. yeah. And then then it builds connection. We're not physically in the same room having you know chats about what's important to each of us, but. It builds connection mm. at scale. Yeah, that's a great idea. I haven't actually heard of anyone doing that. I yeah, haven't seen we that. Because com- we get too focused on the stuff that's far more complicated. And we, yeah. you know, draft, um, you know, updates for newsletters and emails yes. about, on a Monday morning, which are good, but they're, but they're, con- they're, by the time they get to, by the time you read it, it's so far removed from an actual human sharing some actual, you know, con- you know, uh, connect some content that would generate connection yeah because yeah. it's not about the con- it's not about the content it's about the person the more you see the more you are in the in the in the space the, the more valuable that connection yeah. becomes and often what i find is when you're writing or when people are writing um emails they're very scripted and it actually takes them a lot longer to write because they want it to be perfect and on brand especially when you're working in a bigger company um that sometimes not all of the information is actually directly coming from that person either and people are aware of that of Mm. that happening so a 30 second video is such a good idea um i think people just have to care less about doing videos and just getting it out there yeah because i think people people want to come across they do perfectly yeah, as as I've seen it. Well, that's, that's my that's, personal again, experience. That's, well, what kind of leader are you? And what you know, it, we as a leader, you can say we value. Excuse me, we value. Um, you know, we value innovation. We value creativity. We value you taking risks. We encourage you to do that. You know, we value progress over perfection. We want to. We want to iterate. We want to. We want to be the. We are the kind of company that does this, right? But then they don't have the courage to walk the talk and do something where they are imperfect, where they are taking a risk and having some emotional exposure to be judged, um, or there is uncertainty around, you know, whether their credibility is going to be undermined because of that. That's that's so that's leadership is saying, you know, not this is not just what we value as a company, how we want you to work, everyone else, but. But yeah, yes, that's what we value, and this is me doing it. Mm. Yeah, if that's anyone, if, if volumes for yeah, a, if I if leader. I yeah if I ever see that, I just I'd love that. It's, Wouldn't you? Yeah, I would absolutely love it. It'd be like, oh, cool. Like, you're a human being. You're a human. You're just being. You're just I can being relate human. to you. Yeah. And we know that one of the greatest, you know, the the, the most important ways oh, for a leader that. to to generate trust yeah. is 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 to ask for help. You know, and to and, and what that means is that they're that they're human too mm. you know and, that, and it all just comes back to building connection and rapport and relatability and you're going to f- want to follow somebody who's like hey I'm a bit uncertain too at times I know I, 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 you know, I know what I'm doing I'm, I'm confident I've got, I, I trust that we've got all the information we have so you can trust me as, you know, as a leader I'm not winging this mm. but there are some things that I need some things I'm not great at either mm. and there's some things that I'm suck at and I do have vulnerability around doing something like sharing a video with you as a team if that's or that might not be your thing it might be standing up in front of people doing a town hall in person yeah whatever it is it's just you know those things those actions of a leader speak so much more than you know any kind of memo that says hey we're really going to embrace our you know vulnerabilities and take risks this quarter because we need to innovate it's what all the you know (laughs) what the kids are doing these days it's like bullshit just do it just 
you know, she leads through your example. Yeah. And yeah. then people follow. Yeah. And some won't. And that's good because, you know, if you truly believe in what you're saying and what you're doing, then, then um, you know, then those people... Mm. Um, unaligned. Yeah, I love that. And I think that that leads really nicely to the next next question, which is about workplace culture. And I think having leaders like that makes such a difference to the culture. It completely changes things. Those little things that they're doing makes a difference to how you feel when you're at work. Mm -hmm. And I remember having um, a while ago now when I was in digital at Telstra and basically everyone outside of digital thought we were cowboys because we were the innovators and we we're mm. just doing what we needed to do to you know have a better website and whatnot like it was just so old school back then um but the leader that we had back then his name's good he was so ahead of his time and just the way that he connected with people on an individual level even being so senior it was just so clear and i since then i haven't seen it as strongly um, and I think it does take a lot of courage and guts and care for culture. So I'm keen to know from your perspective, um, how do you describe culture? Why do you think it's important? Uh, I think everyone's responsible for culture, but I'd like to get your perspective on that as well. Um, coming, what was his name? Kurt? Gerd. Gerd? Yep. Coming back to Gerd, what he did was something that, you know, we talk about scaling, the impact a leader can have when you've got a massive team. Let's, you know, most teams have got some sort of hierarchy. If he does that with his, you know, eight or ten kind of, you know, next level leaders, he's demonstrating what is of value to him as a leader in, in, in one way or another contributing to the kind of culture that should have a flow on effect and if it doesn't it should be an expectation of his that as okay I'm your leader this is how I, this is what we do as leaders in X organisation we care about each other now I care about you so I'm going to check in with you yeah so going to be, there'll be work related check ins but there's also going to be hey listen I haven't heard from you for the last couple of days you normally like you like you you're okay. okay feeling and you know you might be sick doesn't matter but you just have that check that then becomes an expectation that you do for your team so you know you got it, it kind of scales but it starts at the top right because that's how that's how influence works yeah and it's and so it's how it's also very um, easily undermined as well um, so culture is the culture is the collective experience people have in any kind of place at work for example workplace culture is a collective experience we will have now you can you can define you can describe it in really broad terms um, uh, and normally that's described as being quite aspirational where we want you know culture that's you know creative or fun or inclusive yeah. but which is good um, but it's created through your uh, fundamental beliefs um, which should be aligned to your actions and your behaviours. It's it's that the fabric through which culture is is woven is the stories, the threads are the stories that we tell and the language that we use, how we communicate, what we communicate, when we communicate, if we communicate. Yeah. Um, so language. Is the, and the stories we tell are huge, like it's such a fundamental um, building block for, for culture. And they're also the litmus test. They're also like the, it's also like the, you know, the, the, the red flag, right? So it's like the test where, you know, you can walk in and you should be able to walk into. Well, you when you do, you do it anyway, yeah. and you're conscious of it. 
or if you're if you're conscious of it or not, you'll um you 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 will be when you walk into an organisation and you listen to how people communicate to customers, to each other, um, to their partners about their day at work. When you listen to the stories people tell, that is the that'll tell you more about the culture of an organisation than what you'll read on there about us page on the website. Um, so culture is, you know, and, and those stories, that, that language, the way in which people communicate and behave, the systems and, you know, the rituals and processes around, you know, organising people and how they work, they all come back to fundamental beliefs of either founders, leaders, CEOs, the, the people with the most significant influence on how things work. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind, it's kind of like that. They're those key influences, whether it be founders or key, you know, key leaders. They're the kind of they're like the they're the you know the, like the, the point that which the, the they're the fulcrum upon which everything sits, and yes. the, the, the balance is tipped, you know, one way or another um, by the example that and the the example they set, but also the expectations that they set and maintain as well. Yeah. There's so many leaders who walk the and uh, that's who that talk and talk, but that you were talking don't follow about. through. Yeah, yeah, and it's undermined. People generally turn up to work now. I think if, if you're working in organisations, having these kind of conversations, or if you're listening to this, you're you, you want to you want to do you want to do good work, and you want to do you know you want it to mean something to you know not just you know the pro, not just in the con, in the um, uh, in context of the product you're you know you're delivering or the service you're offering if you want it to mean you want to add some value yeah. as an experience for people and the people you work with generally you turn up to work with that as an intention so um so what then um it's then you know it's it's on leaders to provide an opportunity to for that to happen mm. you know and they so easily undermine that as well yeah so um it's I don't know. It's, 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 I think it's really exciting because people want to do good work. Yeah. In a, in a way that you know kind of supports others to do good work as well. Yeah. You know, and, and it doesn't take much. It's just a it's just a an, an an intention, a willingness to be a bit vulnerable, a bit courageous, to put themselves out there and go. You know what? Then you. I, I'm not sure how this is going to go. We're probably going to fuck it up along the way at times, but we really care about you as people in this organisation and we want you to care about each other as well so that we can care more about our customers we can provide them with bloody great service and experience because we're wrapping up let's just do the two last questions sure which are which I feel like you've already touched on but I'll ask it anyway so the first one is what are some little things that you've implemented that work really well and then the last question to wrap up is who are your heroes and why Okay, some little things. Um, uh, I think something that worked really well that had a really, really significant impact on, on culture was um, gratitude. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's hard to you sort of it's hard to be cynical or pessimistic or pissed off uh, and and grateful at the same time. Yeah. You know, it's, you sort of can't hold both in your in, in your um, in, in your awareness. And so, um, what we uh, what we at Adventure we had this fund, uh, we had this budget allocated for um, uh, our customer experience team to, to spend on our customers. Yeah. It's called the Mofo Access Delight. It's like this 
the acronym was MAN, yeah. sort of manufactured delight. And it was a, you know, it was like a budget to, budget to spend money on customers who, you know, just needed something um, at a time, you know, when they're maybe going through something. So, for example, let's say a customer cancelled their, um, their regular delivery because, you know, they'd gone through a significant life change, maybe it was a health issue or something like that. So what we do is go, oh, that would totally understand, we'll, you know, be in touch when time's right. We then go and send them a, I don't know, voucher to a spa or maybe some flowers or something just to acknowledge that, you know, oh, that, lovely. you know, just little things that yeah. just made people feel good, feel good right? Yeah. And so these are these mo- mofa acts of delight. Yeah. What can we do to make um, someone, someone's day uh, or she experience bit better just yeah. through sharing some love right yeah. yeah so we did that with customers it was yeah. bloody great it's such a great initiative and it worked and it was, so, it was worked well because it was so it's we got so much from doing that and yeah. delivering that it was you know that kind of, it felt good and of course the person received it was pretty stoked as well so what i then thought was why don't we do this for each other within the within the team and so we we um, designed this 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 week. I think it started out as a day, but it turned into a whole week. Um, we called it Mad Love Week, like yeah. Mad Love, Mofo um, Acts of Delight. Um, and it was about sharing the love within the team. And so what we did was we had. Um, I feel like you're getting a flashback of memories because your face is just lit up. Uh, no, yeah. it was great. It was such yeah. a fun Aww. thing to do. Yeah. yeah. And simple, mm. easy to organise. Yeah. It didn't cost a thing, yeah. and it had such positive impact. This, these are the things. It's not hard. You just have to care enough to do it, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, what we did was everybody picked a name out of a hat randomly, yeah, um, uh, and anonymously, in as much as. Let's say I picked out you. Yeah. You didn't know I'd picked out you. You picked out someone else. They didn't know. So you didn't know who your um, mad lover. We there all these yeah. sort of little hashtags popped up, and so mad lover. yeah. So 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 my for, for this week, yeah. and we always made it like in around about September October, just before like the end of a towards the end of a busy year, just before it got into the busiest time of the year, when everyone's like you know, exhausted, coming out of winter, feeling a bit down, yeah. going to a massive, like, sprint before Christmas. Like, let's, yeah. just, let's just share some love. Remind yeah. ourselves that we're doing some cool work in a great yeah. great company. We love what we're doing and we love working with each other. And even yeah. that, sometimes, sometimes we do, so let's focus on that. Yeah. So over five days of that week, um, every day uh, I was encouraged to, to do some kind of random act of kindness for you anonymously. So it, what we, the, the expectation was that I, if I didn't know you well, I'd get to know you, what you love, what your interests are, what you care about, yeah. and I'd design little random acts of kindness that were all about you. That's so right? nice. And so we had 100 people in the office, and for a week, every day, there were these random acts of kindness happening anonymously for people. And so you'd rock up to your desk uh. and they'd be like... You know, they'd be like a drawing or a cup of your favourite tea with your, you know, favourite chocolate or something. Or people got really creative and did some super cool stuff. I feel like, yeah, I feel like at Vino Mopo, there'd be some really cool creative stuff going on there. It was awesome. And you know what the best thing about it was, was the momentum. Mm. This kind of halo effect of like, um, people saw what other people were doing and really um, kind of shared in in, in that. In that delight. In that delight and, and their joy and... And the vibe was just awesome, and and what it a just great idea. And it meant because it was because the focus was on me for a day, yeah. for a week. But it wasn't. 
Yeah. It wasn't just me. It was on, and my, my focus was on you, yeah. and yours was on someone else. And I'm witnessing, you know, all of this happening. And so it just, it just turned into this really cool week. And yeah. I, I, I loved it. I know everybody really, um, yeah, really just got so much out of that. You know, just because it was. It was kind of cool to be cared for, you know? Yeah. Um, and the best thing about, again, about that was didn't cost any... I mean, you had a limit of like maybe five bucks or ten yeah. bucks to spend on something. But yeah. the idea was to be creative and for it not to necessarily be um, of monetary value. But I got to know... I got to learn about you. Yeah. So people would pull out names of the house like, I don't know. Um, I don't know, Sarah. Well, i tell you who does. Go and speak to, go and speak to uh, Andy. He knows Sarah. They're really good mates. He'll be able to tell you. So I'm talking to Andy about Sarah. I'm getting yeah. to know him. He's getting yeah. to know me. So it just, in terms of building connection yeah. um, for people, uh, with people, it was such a powerful Yeah, that's a really initiative. good one. That's yep. awesome. Yeah. Hopefully someone steals that for their company. Every, I reckon everybody should Yeah, it. love it. Um, and then finally, who are your heroes and why? Oh, and the way when we talk about heroes, heroes can be everyday people. They're unsung heroes. They could be people that um, are famous that you know you don't know personally. Yeah, I think I don't know. I think heroes are people. My my heroes are the people that um, give a shit about other people. Uh, to, to, I'll give you an example today. Of a, of a, and like it changes, like yeah. it really does. Just the way you said that, you're like, just people who give a shit. They do. Yeah. They do. People I don't know. Care. People who care. This morning I was walking to work, yeah. and I walked to work past down Swanson Street, turn right to Burke Street Mall. And there's a lot of homeless people. People experiencing homeless with you know on the streets, and they've either kind of slept there the night, or they're just kind of gathering there in the morning. I don't know. But there was this one guy um, who. Was who was being who was kind of hunched over and he was being sick into like oh. a um, you know garden and um, I don't know and I, I, I feel I, upon reflection I feel ashamed that I didn't stop to just mm-hmm. kind of see if he was okay and, and help but someone else did yeah and that other that someone else was another homeless guy um, who I recognised I see him sort of most mornings and yeah. and I just kind of thought shit I've just walked past this guy who's obviously not well. Um, and as I did, another guy who was in, I guess, far less um, fortunate circumstances than I am this morning, you know, cared enough to just mm-hmm. go up and say, mate, are you okay? I don't know. Look, people who, 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 put, them, who put others before themselves and care, and, and care enough about others to put themselves in uncomfortable situations, I've kind of... Heroes and advice. I like that. That it's happens really all nice. day, every day. If you yeah. care, if you notice yeah. when you start to look for it. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I think that's they're kind of. He's my hero today, anyway. Yeah, that's nice. Oh, thank you so much. This is such a good chat. Pleasure. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of Behind the Bee Box. My journey with Brainy Box has inspired me to share what I've learned from others with you in the hope it makes a positive difference to your life, business, or workplace. Your feedback and love is what keeps me going. So please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn at Brainy Box or connect with me on LinkedIn at Sherry Amami. If you haven't yet, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Have a wonderful week and I'll speak to you soon.